I'm Akko. And I'm Marcy. And welcome to the Colored Pages Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds. Yes, colorful backgrounds! Uh, I don't know why I do that like every episode, like just something about that phrasing just, whew! Anywho, yes, so today we will actually be discussing Akko's next pick, which is La Casa de los Espíritus, or The House of the Spirits, by Isabel Allende. Yes! Okay, so just for a little background, so we know a little bit more about the author, La Casa de los Espíritus is the 1982 debut novel written by Chilean author Isabel Allende. Now, Isabel Allende has had a number of accomplishments in her life. She was inducted into the American Academy of Arts and Letters, received Chile's National Literature Prize in 2010, and in 2014 was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Barack Obama. God damn. Go off, sis. (laughs) Shit. Like... Barack Obama has given me zero things. Um, so, <laughs> I've actually received zero things from Barack Obama. Just, just to clarify. So, the House of the Spirits, which we'll be chatting, <laughs> which we'll be chatting about today, and the City of Beasts are two, two most well-known novels. Reviews of Allende have been polarized, however, with some saying she is a literary genius and others saying that she's merely a commercial success that will not stand the test of time. Okay, well, we don't know about all that, but here at CPBC, we will give our honest opinions. Yes, we will. Now, this book was my choice, so being tra- completely transparent, <laughs> I did not know that much about it when I chose it, mm-hmm. but, you know, like, I have a soft spot for magical realism, and the reviews looked good on Goodreads, so <laughs> that's what's up. So, let's just jump into the summary real quick. No, that's real. And also, yeah, like, I mean, Goodreads is honestly, we, I feel like they should be, like, a sponsor for this podcast, because I mean, we was right on that website <laughs> picking these books. So like, many, we were like, oh, Goodreads says four stars? I, that, I, that, I, 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 I think we should do it! Like, that sounds like, good. Right, amazing. Uh, oh, God. So, yeah, so... Just quick preface, y'all. We're going to try our best with this summary. Mm. This book is, we'll, we'll get into our feelings and thoughts. But yeah, it, it, there's a lot happening simultaneously. So yeah, let's just, I guess, jump into the summary. We'll try to put yes. together as best we can. And on a similar note, we are going to try to be very intentional and throw our Spanish in there and say it correctly. But if you're a listener who speaks Spanish and you're like, y'all are really ducking this up, <laughs> our bad. It's like, oh, these accents. Oh, girl, like, mm, that pronunciation. <laughs> oh, yikes. You might um, want to go back to Spanish classes. But actually, but we thought we you try and give it a shot. We so, try. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, boy. So, La Casa de los Espiritus, also known as the House of the Spirit, follows the members of the Davaya family and the Trueba family in an unnamed Latin American country, starting, I would say, in the late 19th century and then going through the 20th century. Yeah, they, they don't really, like, timestamp anything. They're never no. like, oh, like, 18, blah, blah, blah. It's just, right. they kind of, like, will talk about, like, the war or certain, mm-hmm. like, inventions, like an automobile and stuff like that. So, they kind of give, like, little hints. But Right, yeah. exactly. It's never stated, and the country is literally never named. Oh, ever. Like, <laughs> no point in the story. Yes. So the Del oh my god, the Del Valle. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> the Del Valle family yes. consists of Severo and Nivea, mm-hmm. who have 11 children, of whom only two matter. It's the oldest yes. and youngest daughters, Rosa and Clara. And... Oh, there's also a woman named Nana, who is their servant, which we will get into the class elements of this book later on. So in the Trueba family, there's Esteban Trueba, who, <clears throat> um, who is Rosa's fiance, <laughs> but later marries Clara. And after Rosa dies, because why not? Um, so right. <laughs> Esteban also has a sister, Ferreira, who lives with them. And Esteban and Clara later have three children. 
Blanca, Hamin, and Nicolas. Now, Esteban works in this hacienda called Tres Marias, and there he has this right-hand man, Pedro Segundo Garcia, who is dope. Okay. And his son. <laughs> and so he has a son, Pedro Chesero Garcia. And Esteban's daughter, Blanca, is in love with Pedro Chesero. Like, it's a really cute love story, y'all. It's so cute. So at the beginning of the story, we also get the idea that there's a third person, possibly a few generations down, who's retelling the story that she's pieced together from Clara's writing and possibly her own investigation of family. But we haven't met her yet. But there's also so Esteban, who also has his own like chapters that he's narrating, which mm-hmm. <clears throat> we'll get to Esteban. <laughs> we we gonna talk about oh, these Esteban. motherfuckers, yeah. So basically, so where the book begins, like Akko mentioned, essentially a lot of this book just kind of like follows these two families like through time, and they kind of clearly fuse together at various points. So essentially, where the book starts is that Severo and Nivea, and to remind everyone, those are Rosa and Clara's parents. Yes. It starts off with a scene of them being in church. And so basically, they're a church-going family, but, like, the gag is Severo is actually, like, an atheist and a mason. But, like, he has these, like, political hopes and dreams. And his wife, Nivea, is basically, she, like, supports him, but, like, she's, a like, very much, like, into, like, feminist issues and, like, really wants to secure women's rights to vote in country. Although it's, like early 20th century feminism which is like very classed and very privileged not to like put down the suffragist movement like yo even rich women back in the day had issues right you know she's a rich woman feminist yeah so like so she's very much like so she supports him just insofar that it allows women's right to vote eventually um, so yeah, so the book basically starts out with them being in a church with this like radical ass like church goer. What the f- his name was like Father Restrep Rest- Yes Restrepo so- yes, yeah Restrepo yes. So basically, he's like carrying on talking about like heaven and hell, and like the book kind of describes him as just being sort of like just really like intense. intense. And basically, at one point, like during his sermon, Clara, who's the youngest daughter, she's like we'll talk about this in a little bit, but she's clairvoyant and kind of eccentric and like has all these like psychic powers and stuff like that and also just like crass and like doesn't really give a fuck about like social decorum or like anything of that matter so like father restrepo is like going on and on and then basically clara at one point was like damn like if hell is real then shit we're fucked like that's she literally said that and so severo mortified like runs out of the church with the whole family and so that kind of just like sets the scene of like basically who these bitches are and so, essentially, so this happens, right? And so later, so shortly after all of this happens, Severo actually announces that he's going to essentially be, like, I guess the equivalent of, like, a senator for this, like, southern province, like, in the country. And so afterwards, he sent this, like, from that province, he sent, like, this, like, roasted pig and, like, this, like, bottle of brandy. Around the same time, his oldest daughter, Rosa, gets sick and so Severo kicked it with his doctor named Dr. Cuevas, who, like, is just kind of around <laughs> for a lot of the book. And so basically Dr. Cuevas was like, yeah, you know, like, Brandy's great for, like, a sickness. So, yeah, just, like, slip Rosa some of that and she'll be good to go. And they were like, boom. So basically, like, they give Rosa some of this Brandy. Mama dies shortly thereafter. And so then they come to find out that basically the Brandy was poisoned. And so it was actually meant for Severo, clearly. And so after this shit happens and Rosa dies, he's like, well, fuck, like, I'm done (laughs) with this political shit. And yeah. Oh, and then also after this, Clara... So Dr. Cuevas and one of his assistants, like, did an autopsy on Rosa after she died. And Clara sort of, like, witnessed... She, like, snuck out at night and, like, kind of witnessed the whole autopsy, not really knowing necessarily what was going on, was mortified at what she saw. And so she stopped talking for nine years. Not because she couldn't, but she just decided not to speak for nine years because she was over it. Um, 
Yeah. And so basically from that point, so, so, so the first time she speaks after like being silent for nine years was to announce that she is going to actually marry. So Rosa and Esteban Torreba, they were supposed to get married, the two of right. them. But since Rosa died, like that didn't really take place. And so Clara, the next time she spoke was to announce that she was going to actually marry Esteban now that Rosa isn't alive. And so basically the story kind of like focuses on their lives. From that point on. And it kind of, so the setting is between the capital, which is where all these initial events took place, and then this hacienda named Tres Marias, which is where Esteban Trueba's dad had roots. Like he, yeah. yeah. So he basically, it's implied that like essentially, so Esteban's mom was hella rich and his dad was not. He was an immigrant from a country that they never really explained. Nope. And essentially like had roots in Tres Marias, but then like left it. And I think gambled away like all the inheritance or yeah. the bride prize. It was like a mess. So basically, really so wasted everything. So the whole those initial events were like Rosa getting poisoned and Clara going silent. So these are the initial events, and yeah, it, it, it basically jumps between Teresa Marias and the city. Yes. So I guess we should probably just go by like I guess just going kind of character by character and trying yeah. to. It's it's we're, we'll explain why it's really hard to <laughs> summarize this book because it's like a. It's not really, like, chronological. No. It kind of is, but, like, not really. Yeah. It definitely jumps time space a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And, of course, because there's uh, someone a generation or two down who's kind of telling the story, mm-hmm. she'll throw in things that happen that haven't happened in the book. So, randomly, someone will be dead. And you're like, oh, uh, are they still alive in the book, though? Right. And like, yeah. like, they'll be like, oh, yeah, this character who later died because blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm sorry. We, 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 we spoilers. <laughs> it's like, spoilers. Like, it's like, it's like hard as shit to really follow the shit. So, yeah. So, we're going to just like try to go character by character and hopefully piece it all together right and girl we gonna try all this <laughs> so here it goes okay so let, w- want to start with with rosa just yeah. more details about her that's true so rosa is an interesting character because she's she has green hair like she's born with green hair and not from the box um she's otherworldly <laughs> and she's kind of known <laughs> see what you did there that was cute um and she's kind of known for creating beautiful t- tablecloths with fantastic creatures on it um, she doesn't say much, and then she tacitly, for no reason that anyone can explain, like decides to marry Esteban Tereva, who is not nice or friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, as we said, she kind of dies after drinking poison that was meant for her father, and that sort of kicks off a lot of things. Like Severo gives up his ambitions, and Esteban's like, "I will no longer work at the mines. I'm going to go to my hacienda." Right. <laughs> so, right. Right. It's like, okay, sis. Um, yeah. So Esteban. So more information on this motherfucker. So. Mm. Chapter one. I, I I know we're not supposed to do our like discussion until later, but like chapter one, I wasn't really fucking with this bitch because basically, like, so Esteban, so so like Akko mentioned, essentially, yeah, he was he was engaged to Rosa for like no real reason, um, and he decided to go off to the mines and like I guess find treasures because essentially he wanted to like woo her and like finance the wedding and like just like basically just have more money and like be that bitch. And I, a part of me is like, is this even about Rosa? And I really just don't think I so. don't think it is no, <laughs> Whatever. It's more just, about status. he's just in the mind like you know just trying to find this gold so basically he finds out um, from his sister ferula that rosa died and so after that he goes into this whole thing um and goes back to his house where um his mom is like hella sick and his sister ferula like takes care of her and so yeah. just a little bit of context on ferula and esteban's relationship ferula's older than him by about five years when all this happens, I think Esteban's maybe in his, like, 20s. I don't It's, like, yeah. around. He's, like, a young, like, adult. Um, it's basically Ferula and him have this kind of complicated relationship because, like, Ferula's very, like, pious. She's very much someone who's into, like, sort of charitable action. She's always someone that, like, prays for people. And so, like, she, in a lot of ways, she's kind of, like, a martyr almost, like, emotionally. Like, she kind yeah. of, like, dedicates her life to taking care of um, their mother. 
who has like this really severe arthritis and has been dying for like decades, honestly, at this point. Um, so he goes back home and it's kind of when they first really introduce Esteban and like kind of talk about him. It's like, I mean, he's giving you like weird vibes. Like even when Rosa was alive and he was like talking about her, he's like, yeah, like, you know, I just really wanted to like provide everything for her. Like I wanted her to be like really dependent on me. I just wanted everything that she did to kind of reflect my actions. Like he's a very yeah. possessive, like, just like weird ass motherfucker. <laughs> like honestly, it's is he weird or is he like typical toxic masculinity? That is. I think that's really a word. Yeah. Like, I think that's really what it is. We'll yeah. So basically, so he goes back home, right? And so like, he's talking to Farula, blah, 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 blah. He's kind of like, and it's, it's said that like Farula guilts him a lot. Like she uses her like piousness to be like, you just don't do shit for anybody. And I'm over here breaking my back to take care of our mom and Everyone. you just don't do anything. And the thing is, Farula has never told a lie. Not a single one. Not like once. all of these things are true. But Absolutely. basically he's talking to her and he decides that, you know, rather than like staying here with you all, I'm going to go to Teres Maria's and like, spruce it up because essentially like their dad left it in ruins and he's like you know what let's just go to this hacienda and like make it prosperous for whatever reason i think honestly what it really came down to is that he just wanted to like feel like he had power over something or someone because right. at least with rosa it was like okay well i'm gonna make this money make this bread and then like right. use this to kind of like have power in this relationship with her being gone let me at least try to like i guess do something around here yeah i think he has his odd idea of what he wants his life to be but. Yeah, so it's just, I don't know, it's just a little weird. But basically, so he moves to Teresa Marias. And, like, the way they describe it is, like, I mean, the shit is just, it's, like, hella run down. Like, it's, like, people are really poor. Like, there's no real, like, plumbing or, like, public infrastructure. Most of the people are illiterate. Like, it's just, like, people are honestly kind of starving. Like, it's, like, not... It's like it's like in this really rural part of this unnamed country. But, like, yeah, right. things aren't really great. Although I do wonder if that's because his father gambled away all the money. Like, I wonder, because yeah. they make it sound like it was like that since antiquity, but I'm like, but if you know that there used to be some money, and when he talks about the past, that things used to look nice, maybe the issue is your family, Treva. Like, maybe y'all are the yeah. problem. Yeah. yeah. Just throwing it out there. I mean, these are, in, the, in facts are facts. Like, so basically, he, so he runs, so he goes back to the next ideas and literally gets off the van or the horse carriage that he was in, and was like... I'm the head bitch in charge, like, I'm the patron, like, you bitches are, like, stand in line, whatever, whatever. So he essentially kind of goes in this whole scheme where he, like, kind of puts people to work and, like, you know, it's implied that, like, Tres Marias becomes more sort of, I guess, modern, quote-unquote, like, you know, people start to live in brick houses, there's more public infrastructure, they build a schoolhouse, like, right. they, just just more capitals in the area. But at the same time, like, I mean, Treba is, like, a horrible, horrible <laughs> boss. Horrible. Like, he, like... I mean, puts people to work like nobody's business. He doesn't really pay them. He just gives them these like pink slips of paper that they can use as like essentially at like his vouchers store. at his store. Yeah. So it's like they can they can only use the capital that they receive in Tres Marias. They can't. This isn't universal currency right. that they can use anywhere in the country. Which is actually very. This is actually very um common of serfdom mm-hmm. uh, to have to like work on land and be tied to the land, and then actually, and when you move into more of um. The Industrial Revolution, it also a similar thing of like, oh, you work at this factory and you go to the factory grocery store and you have the pink slip so the money goes back to the factory. So like really everything, right. you all your money and pay goes back to somebody else. But Right. Yeah. So it's like it just it's a really not great situation. And also like that's the mom's like a rapist. And a like he rapist. it's interesting because when he moves to Tres Marias, it's it's described that he has all these all these dreams about Rosa and it's like oh my god I miss her so much blah 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 and like just has this like really 
like just intense sexual energy. And so he just goes on this whole thing where he just like rapes women around Tres Marias. Um, right. The first of whom is this like 15 year old girl named Pancha Garcia, yes. who she will, she'll come up later in the story somewhat. Yeah. So in summary, like Esteban's like the fucking worst. And it's, it's implied that there's like people just kind of go along with it. There's not really a lot of like civil unrest at the moment. At the um, moment. But it's said that, yeah, he, like, really despises, like, you know, any sort of, like, threat to his, to his capital. So he he always, he loves communism and Nazis. Like, it's implied. He's like, yeah, you know, like, the British used to do. And you're like, the British, are we really repping the British in colonial (laughs) times? And then, like, when the war, World War II is, like, implied to have happened, it's like, Clara was, like, sewing blankets or something for the soldier, allied soldiers and, Mm -hmm. like... Esteban's over here came for the Nazis. Right, and you're like, like, okay, now we really can't like you. <laughs> yeah. Esteban, like, super sucks. So that's basically the summary. So so, so he moves it to Tres Marias, kind of gets it up and running. This is sort of like an ongoing project throughout the book. But in the middle of all of this, he actually marries Clara, yes. who, which, if you all remember, is the youngest daughter of Severo and Nivea. Yes. And then, so Clara, basically, she, from the beginning, has these really dope telekinesis, like, premonition, clairvoyant powers. And she can tell the future. She can move salt shakers. She has this three-legged table that she's always moving. Mm-hmm. She can interpret dreams, which starts this whole side hustle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? And talk to spirits. And the weird thing is, no one seems bothered at all or surprised. Like, there was a point where they mentioned that Clara would start shaking the table and everyone would just, like, move the tablecloth. <laughs> <laughs> and, like the plates off of the table, like okay, Clara, we got it. Like, Imagine she's doing this like with her mind, like her mind is just like moving right. salt shakers like across the room and shit. And everyone's like, why is this levitating? Like that's weird, right? And their biggest concern wasn't even like, wow, what the fuck, what is Clara doing? They were just like, we just don't want like people to find out. Yeah, like, like they didn't really like like inviting people over because they're like, oh, Clara's gonna be weird and like it's gonna be weird. You're <laughs> <laughs> gonna make it awkward. <laughs> and especially since like Father Restrepo was like mm-hmm. very much like Clara's a demon after she was like this whole thing is a joke, mm-hmm. and they're like we really can't have Father Restrepo back in here like right. making our lives difficult. So that's kind of that. She also has this odd pet dog creature called Barabbas who. I- Shows up, I think, with their, his her magical uncle Marcos, who's irrelevant. But um, <laughs> she has this like magical dog that's like very odd and a very large, and everyone's just kind of like, just let it go, just let it go. Don't touch the dog, just let it go. And so, like, um, bitches thought it was gonna like grow wings and like become a dragon. I think like, it people, did grow wings. I don't. Yeah, it was like there was so no, it didn't grow wings. Barabbas, like it was said that like so. I remember the passage. It was saying something like. It was kind of like a mixture between like a dog and like a horse. Like it was like they yeah. thought that like had Barabbas like, you know, lived for a long time, he probably would have been as big as like a camel, they said. Ah. And they were like, yeah. And like people were like, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to like sprout wings and blah, blah, blah. Which also begs the question. They're like, oh, my God, like people are going to think we're weird. I'm just like, Barabbas <laughs> is weird. <laughs> like, like, not, so weird. Like no, like, and the fact that Claire is the only one that really communicates with this creature, like, I'm like, that already, like, the cheese mate is already lit. Like, Thank bitches you. are already talking about y'all. Like, Thank you. You're not preserving anything. I'm sorry. I, I agree. I, and I just, also, I first of all, dogs don't, I don't do dogs in the house, and mm-hmm. I, I certainly do, don't do dog horse beasts right. in the house, so I just, I don't know about all that, sleeping next to the bed and everything, but that's fine. Um. So anyway, so basically, after Rosa dies, which she she had a permission about she sees like the doctors embalming and kind of like doing some weird sexual stuff or one of the assistants not not dr quavo who everyone kicks it with the, right. the other assistant guy this like an unnamed bitch like yeah, yeah like no, assaults her like dead 
body. Yeah, it was weird. Some necromancer nonsense. But so then she goes mute for nine years because she's like, this is too much for me. Also, Rosa's a mermaid. I'm not sure if we said that. Right. Rosa is a mermaid. She has like green hair and like yellow eyes. And then like when she died, they were like, yeah, she's like a whole mermaid. Yeah, they like took out the government. And they're like, oh, look at that. She's a mermaid. And you're like, y'all, are you? What the? Rosa was 19 years old. old. <laughs> you had 19 How years. How did nobody know? I, yeah. This girl not need some water, like a pool or something. Whatever. Anyway. They also described her skin as being like translucent. Like you could like yeah. see her like, is like her chest and her underneath her armpits. You can like low-key see like her mm. organs underneath. Ew. Rosa. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> we don't know if she's a real person or a metaphor to be honest Super unclear. So anyway, so after Clara sees all this happen, she goes, as we said, mute for nine years. And then she's like, hey, guys, guess what? I'm going to marry Esteban because I guess my premonitions told me so or something. And then she has <laughs> three children, Blanca, Nicolas, and Hamin. And she lives like a pretty fantastic life, even though she's gotten married. Mm-hmm. She, cause everyone thought this like fantastic stuff would end when she like hit puberty. Not the case. Not at all. Um, but because she's so kind of in the air and airy and dreamy, people mostly take care of her and she doesn't really have to take responsibility for anything in her life. Yeah. So that's Clara. And then there's also my favorite, Pedro Segundo Garcia. Oh, Segundo, bruh. So, <laughs> so lit. Okay, so that's Clara. So jumping back to Tres Marias, we really, we really trying, y'all. Mm. <laughs> so in Tres Marias, like we said, Esteban Troyeva is like horrible, but like, I guess kind of making things quote better, but like also raping everyone and just being awful. So in this place, he has this, uh, yeah, essentially this right hand man named Pedro Segundo Garcia, who, Whenever Esteban can't be there to, like, you know, look over things in the Hacienda, like, Segundo's the one who kind of, like, takes charge of everything. He's kind of a sort of a, like, quiet guy, like, not really, doesn't really input too much, sort of keeps to himself, but has, like, earned the trust of Esteban. He's the son of the original Pedro Garcia, who, like, just a quick side tangent on Pedro Garcia, like, he is, like... Kind of OG. He's like hella old. He's like in his, I think, like mid 90s. Um, Mm. And basically, he, you know, throughout the book, it's it's said that he like kind of gradually loses his sight and his vision. Um, His sight and his hearing. (laughs) I think it's a really gorgeous line where it says the sky was in his eyes and the wind was in his ears, which I was like, oh. That's a word. I was like, oh, that just made that just made my mouth taste right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um it's delicious. Yeah, so he so but at the same time he's also like very wise. Um people really revere him. At one point in Teresa Marias, there was like this plague of ants. Like ants are just like fucking everything up, eating all the crops, just like eating like hens alive. Like it was mm. really bad. Yeah, I was like, what kind of ants are these? I was like, these ants are my god. And so basically ants was fucking everything up. Yeah. And so they they got in touch with this, like I think it was like some American like nature bitch and was like oh like (laughs) you have to like feed the ants this and then i'll make the male ants like in sterile sterile and then like the female ants you gotta feed them this and da 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 and then they're like girl how long is it gonna take and he's like oh bitch like 30 days but like you can buy the potions off me bitch it's good pedro garcia the original Mm -hmm. literally walks up to the ants and was like he was like like don't listen to this boy carrying on about these potions right watch this literally rolls up to the ants takes some of them puts them in a little like napkin thing whispers to them walks off into the distance like towards the highway and all the ants just follow him he comes back the ants are not with him the ants never return 
again. So that's the kind of motherfucker Pedro Garcia is. Although we should note that he does, and it is noted that he does mess up sometimes. So like, I think Esteban, he mentions, he's like, I trust Pedro, but like, he's made some grievous errors in the (laughs) past before. And then even his daughter, Panja, like, he tries to save her when she gets sick from like, I think the chicken Chicken flu or something. Yeah, Yeah, chicken fever. And he like, makes her sweat and drink alcohol. And then finally, he's like, none of this is working. So he takes her to the doctor and the doctors are like, okay, if you hadn't made her sweat, we might have been able to save her. But now she can't retain water and she ends up dying. So right. as much as he's an OG, there are some times when he does not right. do what he's supposed to do. But Pedro Segundo is his son. And also, he has a son. So Pedro Segundo also has a son. His name is Pedro Tercero right. Garcia. They literally are just like first, second, second third. third. <laughs> um, and so his son is sort of known as being this like rebel type. Like he goes into the city and like, you know, we'll talk to these like really rogue priests and just like, you know, he, he's very much someone who kind of like stirs up these ideas of like, we should revolt against yeah. this bullshit because it sucks. And yeah. And Pedro is also the, the brother of Pancha Garcia, which is, who's the woman that we mentioned earlier, who Esteban assaulted and like actually had a child with later on. Right. Well, he actually, Esteban has a bunch of children, but this is the only one he gave his name to, which yeah. was of some significance. Right. And so, and also of note, just really quickly, around sort of the end of part one, Pedro Segundo is like, he has just like this like love for Clara that yeah. like is kind of, it's like, it's like sweet, it's brimming. It's not necessarily described as like vividly romantic per se, but they just yeah. have this like kinship. Like yeah. Like they're kinship. described as like, for example, they can like at night in Tres Marias when like nothing's really going on, they'll just like drink tea next to each other, not even talking, just like drinking tea for like 30 minutes, just being next to each other. So basically they just, so they, there's like this budding relationship there as well. So that's Pedro Segundo. So then after that, we have Fruela. Y'all, Ferreira, look, me and my R's, just bear with me. But Ferreira, <laughs> she's Esteban Treva's sister, who takes care of their sick mother and later, like, dotes on Clara a lot and Blanca, which is Clara's daughter. So, Ferreira, Ferreira, oh my God. I'm not even trying to do an accent. I just can't say your name. <laughs> so, Ferreira has always made Esteban feel guilty. And she, he says bring her down, but honestly, Pharrell is like the one who paid for him to like go to school and get his notary thing, which he didn't want. She's like taking care, holding the house down while he's over here in mines trying to win Rosa. Right. When he wanted to like get with Rosa, she was like, fine, I will be an intermediary between you and the Devaya family. Like, just chill. Like, I got this. And then he's like, she's always making me feel guilty and she's always holding me back. And I'm like, Esteban, what could you have accomplished without Pharrell? But like, whatever, you know. <laughs> Just overlooking her labor, but, like, I mean, So <laughs> often. So she, like, really loves Clara, and it's, like, kind of implied that she, like, that Esteban gets... No, it's not implied. Esteban gets very, very jealous of this and ends up throwing her out of his house. And I was mm-hmm. like, Esteban, that's your sister. Would you chill on it? So he throws her out of the house after being like, you're seducing her with your lesbian ways. And you're like, oh, my God. He get. Like, geez. Oh, no. Like, gee, willikers. Like, this is crazy. So then Pharrell kicked out and so she um Clara tries to find her with her like clairvoyant powers but basically it's like Pharrell doesn't want to be found and Clara's like premonitions don't work if you don't want to be found. it was actually really funny in this part of the book she's like I tried all my magic powers and then I tried the traditional way of like asking people where she was and you're like Clara <laughs> okay girl that doesn't work either basically right. and so then one day Pharrell does come back quote unquote mm-hmm. but it's actually her ghost mm-hmm. and it's so interesting because everyone sees it but only Clara knows it's a ghost and she like holds Blanca back and is like no and then Pharrell kisses her on the forehead and disappears and Clara's like 
she's dead. Yeah. And they, like, go and find her because there's, like, this dope-ass priest. I forgot his name, but he's, like, unbothered by – he literally sighs every time someone comes to him with a problem. <laughs> They're like, father. And he's like, what? <laughs> so, he knows where Forella is. So Clara's like, where is she? And they go and she's dead. But she had, like, all this, like, cool makeup and, like, dresses in her closet. Yeah. It was really interesting. Like, what, Forella, what were you up to? Like, I they don't des- know. They described it as almost like being, like, a rundown theater. Like, yeah. Her home. Like, she just had all these, like, really showy, flashy, like, costume dresses. type of dresses and wigs and all types of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So Fedula, like, that was just kind of her thing. She was sort of just, like, this tragic character. Um, and just really quickly, like, just to talk about, so Clara and Esteban have three kids. Blanca is the, you know, the first child. And she, um, she's like, I mean, she likes to make these, like, little clay, like, ceramic, like, mythical beasts. Kind of similar, kind of like a no to Rosa, like, in how yeah. she used to, like, you know, in her tablecloth, she would, like, create these animals. So Blanca's kind of like that. For the most part, she's mainly described in tandem with her relationship with Pedro Tercero Garcia. And, like, it's described that, like, ever since they were little kids, like, they would always, like, play around with each other and roll around the dirt. They just, like, had this love for each other that, like, existed ever since, like, childhood. And just also really quickly, so there's also twins, um, Nicolas and Jaime. And they are kind of, like, not really super important to the story, at least right now. But basically, you know, they go to this boarding school that's, like, it's, like, this, like, British boarding school. And Jaime is described as being, like, he's, like... Really sweet, like really sweet, but like also tries to like come off as like a hard ass. Like I'm like he's like tra- he's like really quiet and like to himself and like intense and like brooding and like mm, but like the bitch is like hella sweet and like really cares about like like human rights. Um, and then Nicholas is like smart, but also described to be like kind of annoying. And he also like is really fascinated with Clara's ability around clairvoyance, and so he tries to like mimic that, but he like is really bad at it. Also, to mention Blanca and Clara have this like really close relationship because like. Throughout her childhood, Blanca would always be incorporated in Clara's, like, clairvoyant hijinks. So whenever she would have meetings with, like, other clairvoyant people or just, like, do the things, like, Blanca was always by her side. So, like, the two of them are really close, which actually comes into play around the time that, yeah, part one ends. And so, like, one of the biggest things that changes everything in part one is this huge earthquake that Clara predicts. But once again, I don't know why people never listen to Clara when she's like, something is happening. To timestamp, by the way, they're, they're, they're in Tres Marias when this all yes. happens. So everyone's in Tres Marias at this point. Yes, it's true. So everyone's there and this huge earthquake happens and um, it destroys most of the country. And Esman gets covered in rubble, but unfortunately lives. Nana, who is their <laughs> nanny from back home, dies even though she's in the city. She dies of fright and sad because she's all alone. And then Clara loses her airy, like, magical quality and becomes very human and down to earth, which is then after this point is when she and Segundo start talking more because right. Esteban becomes high key, very violent <sighs> to the point that even Clara's like, like, I do not, like, whereas before she was, like, kind of away from the world, now she's, like, away and, like, airy, but particularly when he starts being, like, loud and throwing a temper tantrum, she's just like, I don't want to talk to you right now. It just, it feels yeah. more, less like she's above it all and more like she's less, like, just in an abusive relationship. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, and there's always a tension in Esteban and Clara's relationship because Esteban is, as we described, like, a possessive, like, just... Really, I mean, he with Rosa, with Clara, like, he's very much someone that, like, wants his partners to be completely dependent on him. And so he always described that even, like, when, you know, they would have sex with each other, even when they, like, when he would buy her gifts and things like that, Clara always seemed occupied by other things. Like, she was always in touch with the spirits. She was always just, like, in her own world. 
And so he was like, I just can never have her, quote unquote. Like, you know, yeah. even like when we were having these really intimate moments, like she's never fully there. And so he was always like kind of resented her for that reason. Because he's like, why don't yeah. you just acquiesce to like who I am and the power that I have? Like, look at me. I own Tres Marias. And I'm like, that bitch. And she's just like, oh, that's cute. Spirits, what did you say? And they're like, oh, spirits. Like, blah, blah, blah. like yeah. they're just, like, she just like doesn't. She's like above the bullshit, honestly. Yeah. He does like slowly start to hate her because of that. It's But yeah. then also love her. And then he hates his sister for being close to her. He got yeah. problems. It, so after this, this earthquake, it introduces these like two other characters. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about the first one? Yeah. <laughs> so this guy's name is Jean Santinia. He's French. Um, he comes out of literal nowhere. I was like, where the hell? Who? How? Okay. And he's like, hey guys, I got this great idea for a chinchilla farm. And Clara and Segundo are quickly like, my dude, why? Like, why mm-hmm. are we killing chinchillas for some jackets? Like, this is kind of extra. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, Esteban. And Esteban's like, ooh, uh, money. Sounds like a good idea. But that endeavor goes terribly. Like, I think all the chinchillas die. And you're just like. And they were like bald, which is the gag. Like, they didn't even right. have fur. <laughs> like, or the, and the skin like turned like tar and like hard to like, um, work. And you're like, ugh, what a waste. Like, anyway, so he's like, hmm, this obviously didn't go very well. He's right. like, but I still want to, like, live a non-bothered rich life. Guess I'll marry Blanca and inherit Chase Maria's. And I was like, you colonialist ass motherfucker. <laughs> like, you just think you could just go, what have you, what, what have you contributed to Chase Maria's that you think you should just roll up? Right. <laughs> anyway, so he's like, okay. And he gets the sense that Blanca has like another lover somewhere, but he's like, that's like a summer love. Like, mm-hmm. it'll be a small thing and I can just like woo her with my, I don't know, lack of money, my foreignness. I don't know. He doesn't have anything. I don't know why he thinks this is going to work. He's just like really opulent and like extra. Yes. Like, Kind of like, and it's described that like the whole town is like we don't really get John at all. Like, he's just kind of here, and like they're just like I don't know. Maybe it's just like some weird European shit. Like I don't right. know. Like, he's like he's described as almost like effeminate. Like he's just yeah. very like regal and rich and like I remember at one point he like rolled his sleeves up to do a thing with the chinchillas and they were like that was the first time anyone had ever seen this motherfucker roll up a sleeve like he is just like he's yeah like unbothered yeah so so he finds out about Blanca and Tresero and he like when he sees it he's like this is a beautiful scene of innocence and truth and honor and glory he's like there's no way this is just a summer love this is like a true love so I must destroy it right so he <laughs> rolls back to like trace maria and saciendo goes to esteban and is like hey i don't know what your girl's doing but like she's over here like sleeping with a woman man in the woods mm-hmm. and he esteban who of course is a terrible person like runs out catches blanca beats her and then comes back and clara's like what the hell are you doing stop touching my daughter what like why are you beating my child and then he this part i was like oh, oh no God, it was it was a lot it was a lot then he beats he like he puts his hands on Clara so bad that she loses her teeth. Mm-hmm. I have a. I remember stopping reading that part and being like, "If a man ever, <laughs> ever, my teeth, no." Like, yeah, I was so mad. So Clara is like also so mad and is like, "Nah." So she takes her daughter and herself, and she's like, "We going back to the city." Bye. Leaves. And Esteban, because he obviously is always responsible for his own actions and realizes his own mistakes, is like, this is not my fault. Like, none about nothing about this situation is my fault. In fact, I think it's Tresero's fault. I right. think Tresero is to blame, and I'm going to kill him. Right. <laughs> That's... And then Pedro Segundo's like, I'm... If you forgot Segundo Tresero, That's actually my son. Um, 
I like can't stay here when you find him right. and try to kill him. And then Esteban's like, that's Tresero's fault too. Right. <laughs> now I've lost Blanca and Clara and Segunda, who's been with me for 35 years. Why? Because it's a Tresero guy. And you're like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. So accountability on E, this bitch is unwilling to like come to terms with anything. So basically, at this point, Esteban gets, goes on this whole tirade about like, I'm going to kill Tercero, like da-da-da-da-da. He tries to like get law enforcement involved and like try to find him. Like he's like on a hunt to find Tercero, who obviously is like, who let me a whole ass escape because this bitch about to kill me. Right. <laughs> um, and mind you, the thing is like they had beef to begin with. Like Tercero and him, like, I mean, there was an earlier part in the book where Esteban like beat Tercero in front of his dad because he heard that like he was going around like handing out pamphlets to people in the hacienda talking about like revolution and things like that. He like sings these ballads about um, there's like this metaphor about like it was like a poem or something like that where there was like this group of hens that like were always being eaten by this fox. But one day they like banded together and like pecked up fox and he like you know went away with his tail between his legs he like would sing about things like that that were like on the surface like oh it's just about hens and foxes but Mm -hmm. like it's high key like bitch we the the day will come. <laughs> the revolution is she's in motion. So basically, they've had me for a minute. So Esteban's looking around. And it's like, yo, we need to like find this bitch. Blah blah blah. Puts up this reward, talking about like, oh yeah, like you know, if anyone that like rats out his location will get a huge reward. Blah 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 blah. Mind you, around the same time, there's this little boy named Esteban Garcia. So this is where it's a little bit confusing because there's Esteban Trueba and then Esteban Garcia. Esteban Garcia is like ten years old, <laughs> and he is the grandchild of. Pancha. So Pancha had a son named Esteban, who we literally know nothing about. And then that Esteban had another child named Esteban, both of whom, both of their names are Esteban Garcia, actually, but this is the only Esteban Garcia that matters. So one day he rolls up and is like, hey, like, I actually know where Pedro Tercero is. And then like Esteban Trueba is like, oh my gosh, show me, blah, 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 blah. So they get on horseback, they go towards this, like, it was like this sawmill area. Um, and Tercero is inside sleeping. So basically, um, Esteban Trueba takes his rifle, which he brought with him, and was like, I'm gonna blow this bitch's head up, blah, 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 blah. But then he was like, I don't want to kill him too quick, because that, like, will just, like, re- like I gotta savor this moment. Like, I gotta, like, you know, like, just, like, Meh. So he, like, walks inside, and Tercero must have had, like, some kind of spidey senses coming off, but basically the moment he tried to, like, pull that bullet, like, they they, they describe Tercero doing this, like, almost, like, indescribable leap, like, he just, like, jumped in the air and, like, dodged the bullet, and just, like, girl, what? It takes a plank of wood, throws it at um, Esteban Trueba, which knocks the rifle out of his hands. So Trueba's like, fuck, and, like, there's, like, an axe nearby, so he, like, takes this axe and, like, swings it at Tercero. He... Tercero manages to block it, blocks it, but, like, in the process, like, loses three fingers. Um, but then he, like, but I guess, like, Tereba was so exhausted from that one blow that he, like, ends up falling to, towards the ground from all the fours. Tercero, like, puts his hands to his chest and just, like, runs out the building, jumps on a horse, and, like, goes off. And Tereba's described as not even necessarily being sad that he escaped. It, it, there's almost, like, this savoring, like, okay, like, I get to come like come back and revisit this type of shit. Mm-hmm. And so he and Esteban Garcia, the 10-year-old, go back to his place. And Esteban Garcia is like, hey, so, like, the reward, like, I told you where he was, like, money? And he was like, no! Like, like absolutely not. Like, get the fuck out. Like, bitch, you got me fucked up. And he's like, he's like, there's no rewards for traitors. And you're like, Esteban, did you not... This, you are the one who promised the... Right. And so the last scene is Esteban Trueba inside, sort of like weeping out of just like fury and well, rage. Well, I think he's outside the gate and he's weeping and like, because he's like, my 
my grandfather doesn't love me. <laughs> oh no no no! I'm, no, um, Esteban Treba was inside, and then oh, Esteban, Esteban Garcia was outside. Both He's... of whom were weeping for like different reasons, but they were both like pissed af. These Esteban names, and it's also described that like Esteban Garcia is about to fuck shit up like for everybody. Yes, uh, it's implied <laughs> multiple times that he's gonna mess like up. a lot. Um, yeah. and so yeah, so that's kind of where the things end for the, the most part. part. Yeah, so. Was there anything else? Do we? Oh, um, also just really quickly, Severo and Ivea, Clara's parents died in this like horrible like car accident where like Clara's mom got decapitated in the accident, and so she like went on this whole thing to like try to find her head with Fadula before she died. Yeah, and so like her mom's head is in their like in the capital city where their house is. Her mom's head is like in the basement. It's just, it's assumed that like it, it's it's implied that the head's gonna be found later. Yeah, yeah, along with Barabbas. But oh yeah, Barabbas also died because well, a butcher like stabbed him. Yeah, so we'll get all into all that. It's <laughs> like a lot, girl. It's like, a lot. Yeah, so should we like take a break? Like, yeah, and then we can go into the discussion. Okay, great. Sounds good. And we're back. Right, so now we're going to jump into the question, talking point, discussion part of our conversation about the House of the Spirits. So, Marcy, what were your thoughts? <sighs> okay, so, so I guess we'll kind of, I, I can just kind of start with sort of, I guess, why it is kind of hard to talk about this book chronologically because, so the thing is, like, the book, I think it is, it's interesting. It's clearly, there's a lot of metaphors around, like, race but like honestly for the most part i would say it's more a commentary on class and like it's the characters are kind of set up in a way where it's like okay this is clearly like there yeah there's like a metaphor going on for something um i do think that the writing style is kind of interesting in that it's like time skips a lot like since there are these two different narrators like they'll kind of start writing about something chronologically but like we mentioned earlier it's like they mention a person and then like we'll allude to like how they die or like something they do in like seven years and then just like weirdly go back to like the timeline so it's like those details are included in and so it's kind of hard to be like oh wait like wait like what (laughs) you know like or like they will describe like they'll describe things that like are very very tangential like details that like literally never come up again like at one point they have this whole thing about early in the book they talk about clara had this uncle named marcos who was like this magician and he like made the world's first like airplane and like he and clara had like a side business where they would like predict people's dreams and then like they ended up dropping the side business because like they thought it was like leading to too much gossip and so then like they just like split their profits but then nana was the one that like low-key was in on all of it too but like she didn't get any money and it was just like why is this included like it was just like there's just a lot of details where you're just like there's like like what <laughs> and mind you all these tangents happen while the story is being told and so you're just like oh this tangent will like probably weave its way way back into the main story but then it doesn't it just ends and then just kind of goes back to the normal story and you're like what the fuck so it's just like Time is really flexible and really malleable. It's, it jumps from future to past to present to like, it's like, it's so, it's really hard to like follow sometimes. Like, you know, the general arc, but like sometimes it can be a little, it's, it can be a little unclear sometimes. Yeah. I think, so for me, I think, I don't think it bugged me as much as it bugged you, although at times. <laughs> Do I sound irritated? Like, <laughs> 
um, I I do agree that some so that whole part where they're doing their little side business and I was like I was like this is a fun little caper and I think mm-hmm. thinking about it it was written in 1982 and uh, granted there was television but like if you're trying to read sometimes you did just want to like read and hear all this random tangents and all these things like world building mm-hmm. so I was like okay given that I guess I could see it. But I also, I kind of was like, okay, this maybe is doing like a thousand years of solitude type of, it gave, it, it has a thousand years of solitude type of feel to mm-hmm. it. And which in that book, there's also a lot of random pieces and stories and little tidbits that make you go, huh, I wonder when that's going to come in mm-hmm. later. But the thing that's different is in a thousand years of solitude, there's a payoff in the end. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when people's names are repeated or their habits are repeated, that then shows up as like a premonition of what's going to happen in their life. Mm. Um, and then, you know, you get to the end of a thousand years of solitude and you're like, dang, you know, like, dang, like I really, you're just like moved. Yeah. We haven't finished this book yet, so mm-hmm. I will give the benefit of the doubt that, like, maybe part two, like, Uncle Marcos's flying Leonardo machine right, will like- <laughs> show back up. <laughs> or, like, you know, like, the head of Nevea will yeah. be relevant. But I guess it's like when you're in the middle of it, you're like, oh, I see what you did. I don't know if this plot device is working. I don't know if this, like, literary tactic is working yet. Mm-hmm. I will hold, reserve my judgment, but I am not yet convinced that this is deep or not. That's really it. Like, sometimes it's like, is this just, like, gratuitous detail included to be funny? Because some of it is, like, some of it is just funny. funny. Like, the way it's written is just, like... Because it's interesting to you because there's not... Funny enough, like, the other thing as well is that, like, things just happen really quickly because there's not really a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of just narration. They'll be like, Clara did this and blah, 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 blah. But, like, you know, rarely do you see, like, scenes of dialogue. And when they do happen, they're fairly short. Um, True. And so it's just one of those things where it's, like, it's hard to, I guess, in some ways, it's hard to distinguish the characters based on, like, a tone because everyone kind of feels the same because everyone's just based on their actions and all their actions are, like, I mean, people like Clara, for example, her actions are really distinct. But for a lot of people, their actions are, like, kind of uniform or, like, they all have sort of, like, a similar absurdity in some ways. Right. Where it's, like, some of the characters, they almost feel like, they almost just feel like chess pieces. Like, it's, like, and I feel like, and that's, that's why I think sometimes, for example, like, when Severo and Ivea died, it was just, like, so abrupt and random that it was just, like, I felt nothing. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's a hard to. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's hard to, like, it's it's harder to feel the uniqueness of a certain character when it's like all you are based off of is like their actions, but you don't see any of their thoughts. You don't really see any, like even like personality quirks in terms of like how they speak or interact with one another. It's just kind of like their actions, which tend to, I don't know, just tend to be kind of like, yeah. I think that's so interesting because it also then, when you juxtapose that with Esteban Treva, who Mm -hmm. honestly gets a lot of me description time. (laughs) He, you like will turn the page and they'll be like, Esteban will literally tell, be telling the story about how he thinks it goes. And, um, his version of things is always like, it's very toxic masculinity. And it's mm. like, he'll be like, um, oh, I didn't really whore around except for like sometimes when I like would sleep with these like unnecessary, like people that don't really matter somewhere in the mines. But like, I never cheated on Rosa except for those times. And he'll be like, I didn't cheat on Clara except for like all those times where I cheated on Clara. And I'm like, it wasn't right. my fault. <laughs> And you're like, Esteban, I don't think you understand what the word cheating means. Like, I don't think it means what you think it means. Right. And um, and so I think it, there was like a very interesting, I call it like the protagonist syndrome. And mm. I think it was a little bit of a commentary on the way men are highlighted or given the narrative and a lot of times to the detriment of other people and mm-hmm. and you know like like rosa is this 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 dream, this hope, this goal. And it almost there was a point where he goes 
I was doing all this for Rosa, and then she dies before I could even get yeah. to like penetrate her green depths. And I was like, um, I know that we're you're well, I don't actually know. I thought you were sad about <laughs> Rosa's dying because you loved her, but now it kind of just sounds like you're mad that you didn't get everything you wanted. And I, I as much as I think this book does have a little bit too much description, although sometimes I loved it, I, I'm conflicted on it. I do think it, there was a little bit of a point to show that, like, we do this, we allow the male narrative to almost take over reality. Mm-hmm. And then having that juxtaposed with someone else who's like, man, here are all the other things that were happening while, like, Esteban mm. was kind of saying whatever it was he was saying. Right. Um. So I thought that was interesting. And I also kind of liked that... This is like one of my favorite things what writers do when they have a long description and then end it with something like, but actually none of that happened. You know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> or they'll be like, or even this whole point, I think you're going to talk about this. Glara's like, all of them speaks up after nine years and everyone's like, whoa. And there's like this whole law again. And he even explains the law again. And everyone like running around, yelling at each other, being like, Glara can speak, like calling the doctor up. It's right. like, oh, really? Right. And then everyone being like, wait, what did you say? Right. <laughs> I was like, that's funny. Like, so I will reserve judgment for now, right. but I agree with your point. Sometimes you're like, right, there's so many details in them that you're like, I don't, where are we again? Right. And it's like, and it's sometimes it's hard to, like, it's blended so well that sometimes you don't know when the tangent ends and when the story resumes. So sometimes I'm like, are we starting from the end of that tangent? Because that tangent jumped forward nine years. Yes. yes are we yes, back yes. to nine years in the future? Are we back to like nine years ago? Like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. And like, I think that sometimes, you know, there are like just certain like literary things like you know a new paragraph starts or there'll be like a little break in the page where it's like okay this is clear that we're, we're sort of shifting gears here but yeah it's it is interesting that like i don't know and like that's the part that's like i just hate esteban Tueba so much this useless i just it, it's just one of those things where it's like again this bitch gets so much room and space yeah. and like in the whole time it's like the whole time you're reading the story, you're like, oh my god, please, hopefully this nigga dies, goddamn. Like, the earthquake happens, and like, the whole house falls on him, and I'm like, look at God! But then you remember that Esteban was like, I'm 98 years old, and I'm like, god, like, he's still around? Like, I'm like, evil just never dies, my god. But yeah, That's it's just... Word. And I think sometimes, too, it's like, I, I understand the point being made about, like, it's like, Esteban is clearly this, like extremely just he's like just super not self-aware does not is not aware of like just how evil his actions are and like there's actually a portion there's like a little passage in your book and that describes how in a lot of ways he kind of like hardens his soul and stops listening to his conscience all in the name of progress what he defines to be progress but no sometimes i just wish that there was a bit more exposition from the perspective of like a ponte garcia or like a pedro segundo or like so you should even clara like it's like i don't know i just wish that there was more like we just got to hear that voice from another person, and rather than, like rather than like all the characters having relate, I think it's a, I think it's a preference thing. I think for me, like I like it when characters just have their own thing. They're just like their own people, and I feel like there's a lot of characters that exist only by association of someone else. Like even Blanca, in a lot of ways, it's like only really it's like her own her whole thing is like her relationship with Pedro Tercero, which is fine but Pedro Tercero has this whole thing where he's like a rebel and like sings and like learns all these ideas and it's like but like Blanca's in love with him which is fine but But that's not a character trait but like what else is like what else like I don't know what does Blanca do she like I mean she makes these things but like Rosa also made those things does that become relevant like I don't know it's just it's no I agree with you uh, I I agree with you it's like 
okay so at one hand you can be like oh this is it's 1980s so this is like subversive in the fact that we're saying like this is actually bad like mm-hmm. the way he acts is bad but i'm like another way to be subversive would be to just write from the female's perspective right. in the story like you know so i'm just like i, I get it i get it we're mm-hmm. pointing out how bad esteban is and he's a terrible person and he thinks he's a good guy and that's part of the problem in our society and it was probably even more of a problem in the 80s when people like weren't right. even recognizing that this was not the correct way right. to be but then it falls into, like you said, the same traps of women then just not having much of a story around them. Mm-hmm. You're right. Clara is this mystical kind of person and Blanca is, yeah, just in love with Tresero. And then it also, there's almost this class race thing that I don't actually Oof. think she's commenting on. I think yeah. she's just accepting as something that happens. So like Pancha is native and darker skinned and mm-hmm. she really gets the, the short shrift and like no one is really that, like the only reason we care about Pancha is because like this Garcia, Esteban Garcia kid's probably going to screw everything up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay, but like, and then just trickled in there are just like low key racist things that you're like, <laughs> you're like I, this God. is, and I'm like, we're not even commenting on that. We're just kind of saying that's what it is. And mm-hmm. I was kind of like, okay, are, you, are we going to dissect this more? But no, it kind of all just gets folded into class, which is true that those things have a relationship, but I would have liked to see that kind of concept less accepted and more dissected. Mm. Um, so that would have been, I agree with you on that point. And you're kind of like, there's all these words and all these descriptions and all pointing out all these things. But I'm like, but did you examine it though? Right. Like, did you really think about it? Or are you just throwing it in to just say that it's in? And I'm just kind of like, I don't, I don't know yet. I don't know. Yeah. It's about, like, I don't know. Cause so. even, I mean, I mean, even commentating on the race thing, I mean, there's so many passages where like, I mean, the shit was like innumerable. Like it was constant. Like where they would say like, Oh, this person is doing something, something like an Indian. And it's always like described as this, like, you know, uncivilized or like kind of just like, just like kind of like gross or sort of like, I don't know, just, yeah, like this like uncivilized way of being or existing. And even I remember it was actually really fascinating. There was a part. So when they describe, because also everything, everything is in excruciating detail, even the scenes of sexual assault, a lot of details. So when they talk about how Pancha was raped by Esteban, they were saying, they said something to the effect of Pancha just sort of like realized that she had met the same fate of her mother and her mother, you know, and her grandmother, like, and how this is like, a thing that has happened throughout generations. And like, there's like that commentary, but like, it's just a thing that like, Oh, this happened. And just like, are we going to, are we, are we done? They're like, period moving on. I'm just like, like, Oh, like Clara started a thing with her uncle. And I'm just like, but like, are we really going to examine that? Like thing that like that, like actual phenomenon, that real shit you brought up. Like, are we doing something about that? Like, and and, like, we aren't that fine but it's right. just one of those things where it's like is it fine because i don't know if it's fine yeah <laughs> like i'm trying to like i guess i'm just trying to like yeah there's a lot of observation of things but yeah like you said there's not a lot of dissection of or like things that like i don't know it's kind of like that thing where people are like oh yeah like we know that like this is happening so like we're like self-aware but it's like i mean you're being self-aware but then you also make these like racial jokes about native people right where it's like is this a joke like, I right. know, like sometimes I was honestly yes. reading those things where I was like, is this like a commentary? Is it like, is this like legit, just like racism? Right, <laughs> like, right. Like, I don't know what's happening. I completely agree. It was like, is this ironic or is this a commentary? Exactly. Or right. are you just saying 
racist. Right, and being like, we're self-aware! And it's just like, but you're being racist. And it's almost like, we go there. We dare to say it like it is. And I'm like, okay, but let's think about this. If these people are already being disregarded in real life, and then you write a book disregarding them, now this is Inception. Now you've disregarded them twice. This is disregarding squared. Right. (laughs) Like, I don't... So, I don't... I I don't know. It, it, It does make me less... less inclined towards the book Mm. um i will say i did find interesting about the book was the sort of dynamic of magic and Mm. and modernization and sort of magic as as like a counter to modernization and also kind of magic as this like very feminine power like Mm -hmm. very much like clara like her husband just like could not hold on to her like and i love that he was like there's just like something that i just like can't have and i'm like yes like her magic is almost a counter to your patriarchy and mm-hmm. toxic masculinity than your wish to own everything for yeah. no reason. It was the antithesis of capitalism and kind of went with this idea of like, you don't own people intrinsically. You mm. cannot own them. So I really liked that. And I think Clara does have points where she's more self-aware. Like there's a point where she's like, she takes Blanca to like visit the poor, which her mom did when she was a feminist, but her mom mm-hmm. was much more, like we said, like upper class feminist who right. was like yelling things at factory workers about freedom. And they were all like, we work in a factory. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing about this is you, want, right. <laughs> you don't work at all. But, and so Clara makes a point where she's like, bringing food to the poor is just to like assuage your guilt. What they really need is justice. Mm-hmm. And then we we're like, oh, I was like, okay, that's deep, Clara. Like, that mm-hmm. is very true. But at the same time, and Marcy, you talked about this. Clara is very, com- well, you haven't talked about it on the podcast, but we talked right. about it. <laughs> um, Clara's kind of complicit. Yeah. You know, like. And it's it's funny because it's like again it's that thing where so for example so what made me say that Clara's kind of complicit is that there was this very specific passage where Esteban was carrying on talking about I just can't own Clara I just want to like lock her in a room and just own her he literally says shit like that and he's like like I'm being oppressed and I'm just like oh shut up I'm sorry I'm sorry let me just oh, breathe breathe so. Esteban's carrying on talking about how he is just his life is just so hard because he does not own Clara and she's her own person oh no oh my god so he was like to like make her jealous I went to the Red Lantern which is like this brothel and he like told Clara about it I was like well I'm going to the Red Lantern and she was like well that's better than raping all these village girls that you've been doing and he's like I I didn't even realize she knew about that but then I also paused and I was like Clara you you uh, I, I mean the abuser here is Esteban, undoubtedly. Percent. But, and, comma, like, but, but Clara, like, you, you, like, I remember early in the book, it was described that she had these, like, these workshops, like, specifically with the women in the village, and, like, she would, like, give them these, like, sort of feminist ideals that, like, her mom would give her. And it was funny, because earlier in the book, it was implied that Clara knew that, like, this feminism that her mom was trying to preach, like, wasn't translating. Like, it wasn't really, it wasn't universal, wasn't inclusive, really. And then it was funny because in the book, Clara's doing the same thing with these women. And it's described that, like, they, the village women listened to her the same reason that why they listened to Ferulo when she wanted to, like, pray and do the rosary. Because they just knew that, like, if they didn't, Esteban was going to get mad at them. And But they knew, ultimately, that, like, whenever... It was interesting too because they were they were saying she was saying she was talking to them about like domestic violence and like something about how like you know like this idea that like your husband owns you and stuff like that like that's fucked up like that shouldn't be a thing blah blah right. blah but then they were like but if we also act on that like we're gonna get beat we're up. gonna get 
beaten. And like, yeah. you haven't had that experience yet, but like, this is, again, this is you saying this isn't going to, your circumstance isn't the same. And so sometimes it's kind of like Clara notices and observes all the horrible thing that her husband does. And there is just kind of the, this acceptance. It's like you acknowledge a dynamic or you acknowledge the like shittiness of things, but there's not really like a action about it. Something I would have actually really been, and I'm not sure if this will happen later. Who knows? Maybe it will. But like, I, I like what you said earlier about sort of the, this whole like magic V modernity sort of thing going on and how like magic is very much like unpredictable. It like very ancestral in a lot of ways. Like she's in touch with all these spirits that like, I don't know what necessarily their relationship is with this country, but like, there's just like, there's some energy there. And I don't know, I feel like in some ways, like, I'd be interested to see that intersection of like magic and like liberation yeah, and like how that comes together. Like how do you enlist like these clairvoyant powers that you have to like change the status quo in a way that like a one day workshop or, you know, trying to like go about things in sort of like, I guess a more mundane way won't necessarily have that same effect. Like what does that mean? That's a good, Oh, Marcy, that is but, a good point. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't, it's not to say that I blame Clara for what has happened to these women, but it's just, sometimes I just wonder, I'm like, Clara doesn't necessarily, she doesn't necessarily go into action a, a lot. She yeah. just sort of lets things rock. I will say she does do, like she finally makes Esteban like give the people money as opposed to like slips of paper. And Esteban's like, True. I I wanted Clara to like me again. Like Esteban will, is mad abusive. So he'll like do yeah. terrible things and yell at her and then be like, and then be like, I, I, Clara, I love you. How come, how come at night you don't want to like come to me? And, and then he's like, I guess I shouldn't be yelling at you in the day and then expecting you to just like love me at night. But like men and women are different. And you're like, Esteban, stop. Like, right. just stop. <laughs> and so, so she does like convince him to like stop, give them actual wages. And I feel like too, there is a part of me that feels like this is kind of... The thing that in the past was so true was that, like, your and we see this when Clara does get beat, like, hard, yeah. that it even being a rich woman is precarious. Like, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like, it was precarious to even be a woman who had money because this man really could put his hands on you. Yeah. And, like, uh, granted, Clara has the money to leave, but, like, she's still out some teeth and, like, this guy did really knock her and her daughter around. Mm-hmm. So I think, too, it's, like, almost there's that threat of violence under even her trying to advocate in any way. Mm. So um I, I think there's that should be mentioned as well, that, like, there is a complacency. But as we said, like, Esteban's the one, like, pulling this whole thing up on some weird insecurity nonsense. Yeah. Um. So I think that's true. I do think the magic also is kind of... It's the traditional versus the modern kind mm-hmm. of feeling because as we t- talked about, like, um, what's his name? Pedro Garcia, the original. Uh, yes. he, he of course is like a badass, but uh, at critical times, like his magic doesn't work. And at other times, like science doesn't work. And they're almost seen as these two forces that sometimes work and don't work, which is really mm. cool to see. It's cool to see magic science, but in the same place of like, we don't act it, it, like the end conclusion is like, we don't actually know. Just try right. whatever works. <laughs> and I think there is that sort of push and pull because especially after the earthquake, Clara says the magic in the world is gone. Mm-hmm. And I think there is like a sense of like, as we move forward, you know, you like Lord of the Rings has the same thing, like the elves leaving. There's all this idea of like magic leaving the world mm-hmm. and this kind of these new rules of the world kind of taking over. Right. And I think so there is this tension between progress and tradition. And, and, and I think Clara feels that too, but I would love, I would love to see like magic come back as some type of like female liberating force. Mm. Like, uh, yeah. Starts typing her fanfic. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, because even the fact that Nicholas couldn't 
enlist magic? Why mm. is it that he specifically could not? You know, it, it's something, there's something about it that I'm like, it's selective. And I'm curious to see what that looks like. Cause Pedro, so it's not, it's not necessarily specifically gendered because Pedro Garcia. Yeah. Kind of, you know, had elements of it as well. So it's just like. And her uncle, kind of. Not as much as Clara. True. But a little. So there, but even then the people that, even men that have these magical traits, their disposition, their characterization is just different. They're not described yeah. in any way like a Esteban or even Severo. Like they're not necessarily. Do you think Hameen power- will be able to use, like, I, th- I think he will. I think he will. He, I, it's like, there's something about them that allows them to be more, just in touch, more, just more able to have like that kind of emotional resonance with people around them. They don't. Right. It, it's like this. Is it because the men that don't have that ability, they're the like a lot of their motivation is around power, is around status. That I noticed because Nicholas Esteban, yeah, yeah, all of them. I mean Pedro Segundo, like he doesn't really have magical powers, but he's all he just kind of like does him. Yeah, like, girl, I'm just trying to survive. <laughs> like, he's trying to pay these bills. So sweet. It's just I don't know. It's 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 a really interesting book, and I think that there's also a lot of things that I'm still trying to understand the symbolism behind. But maybe there isn't necessarily like I think sometimes too, we sometimes will be like this is like symbolic. It's like or this could just be a thing that was included just like. Right. As a thing. As and, like, thing. Isabel was like, girl, y'all really reading a lot into Barabbas, but I just wanted to include this, like, weird donkey thing. Just to, like, add to the, like... The flavor. Right. Just, like, <laughs> give it some seasoning. Like, whatever. Or, like, Rosa's a mermaid, because, like, why not? Why can't why, she? Why can't she be a mermaid? <laughs> and, like, why does it have to matter that she's a mermaid? Which is, like, kind of beautiful and, like, subversive way, and, like, yeah. I love that. But also, like, what the fuck? Like, she, why is she... Why is she <laughs> right? <laughs> what I just and maybe that's the thing. Like, and maybe that also has to do with magic leaving the world. Like, what if Rosa had lived? Like, it seems mm. like Rosa is almost like a bygone era. Like, and it's interesting that politics specifically is what kills her, right? Yes. Like, so it's almost like yes, Ro- Rosa being a mermaid maybe had no point, but the mm-hmm. fact that she died early and that Esteban wanted her as like something to own mm-hmm. speaks to something about the world and the way we treasure beautiful magical things and why maybe they don't exist as much anymore <laughs> right so i don't know it, it's interesting i i did wonder i was like what is rose's point in the story so yeah and even like i mean it also i mean again we're just going down rabbit holes but it kind of you sometimes you wonder like okay if she hadn't died if she hadn't drank that brandy and like esteban married her instead like how would things have shifted or would things have like like how do yeah like how would this story have been i just influenced realized by that? something really interesting too what Rose is, if Rose is a mermaid, he was never going to be able to sleep with her. Oh, yeah. That was actually, but that's interesting because that means what he wanted most was actually impossible. Like, it would forever elude him. Like, she is the epitome of, like, female energy that you cannot have. Mm. And I'm kind of like, oh, I just realized that now. I was like, dang. I, I just wonder what kind of tantrum he would. Because when she died, he was so upset about he not owning pissed. her. He was pissed. I was like, More m- angry than sad, which was yes. telling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, it's just a lot of, or, like, the plague of ants. Like, there's just so many things where it's like, I don't know what this means. Right. I, I assume this might have some sort of symbolic purpose, but, like, could it just been a thing that was thrown in <laughs> like right. we don't quite know um i wanted to i'm trying to remember there was something about clara that i wanted to say oh you said something about rosa that made me think about clara um yes so just i guess uh, you know we, we should probably also like wrap up soon ish but like why do you think clara married Esteban because it was it was I remember when she broke her silence she had predicted that she would marry him and it was said like, briefly because as this book does things are just like bombs are dropped but like really low-key that you could easily miss she 
had mentioned like you know it was like like on that day clara decided that she was going to marry without love or something like that like she just like made that decision to like just be in this union with this person why do you think she did that because it also kind of seemed uncharacteristic of her at that time yeah you're right i i think that is odd i think that has to do with kind of the limitations of woman at that time Mm -hmm. like i think she saw premonitions and she was like yeah this is what happens you know like this is all i see Mm -hmm. as a possible future and therefore that's what i'm going to do right as opposed to clara you don't see her you don't see her really doing much outside of like what she ought to do even though she is Mm. magical and i think that does speak to like the limited imagine and then freyla kind of also has this like sense there's a sense that like she could have been more than she was right but and then it was says like she had a lot of the characters of her brother, but they were like, like you know, dampened down because she's a woman in society. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But I mean, if you're asking me, knowing what I know about Esteban, and <laughs> I had premonitions, no, no, mm-hmm. I I could be a seamstress. Like Severa and Navia didn't even really seem that pressed. So I was kind of like, Clara, do you have to do this? Like. And that was the gag. Like, the scene where, like, this deadass happened. Basically, so Esteban had, come, like, come home after visiting Marias for the first time. His mom dies, and he had promised her, like, I'm going to marry someone and be respectable and blah, blah, blah. And so he literally goes to the Del Valle house, and they're like, well, I tried Rosa. Let's see if they got any girls left. So they, he literally was like, y'all got any girls that, like, need marrying? And then they were like, <laughs> um, well, everyone else is either, like, married or, like, not doing super well. Um, I mean, I guess there's Clara, who's, like, kind of incompetent at house tasks and, like, Loki gooped everybody for nine years because she just decided to not talk to anyone. Not because she couldn't, but she just decided she didn't want to. Like, there's her. And he was like, bet. And, like, that that's, like, <laughs> where right, the relationship right. started. And I was like, uh, what? And, like, I think in some ways, yeah, like, it is a commentary on sort of what Clara's options were. Because Farula also was, I mean, Farula was unmarried, but her life was undeniably tragic, as was mm, Nana's. True. Both of them were just very much, like living for other people and it was as if like even though they weren't in a marriage with someone there was still this like this idea that they still had to like dedicate their lives to someone there was like this like martyrdom this like self-sacrifice that like i think also i mean given the options like clara was probably like well girl like fuck right <laughs> I mean, at, least if, at least if i like marry this bitch like i could like still kind of be like a person? like a person like yeah. these are like i mean is Farula really like a person no like, i think she's, she's like, very stunted by having to be in service to so many other people right and it's just like and it's funny because even her relationship with clara like i mean yeah. esteban accuses her of like you know seducing her and all of that and like which i like like because i mean Farula would have been a better option oh absolutely Farula, yeah. like when they were like when she was like go expounding on her thoughts like she literally at one point went to the priest and was like the same priest was like what girl like <laughs> she went to that priest and like i low-key be trying to share a bit with clara and like yeah, she, there was some underlying sexual tendency. There was, like, some sexual energy yeah. there, which I lived for, but it was also right. just kind of like, I don't know, but even in that, even in that. It was, it was still abusive. It was not a great dynamic. Yeah. It was very much like Farula giving Clara everything. And, and Clara not getting just, anything. And Clara, honestly, it was described that, like, the first time Clara really noticed that, like, oh, yeah, when I eat at the dinner table, like, someone makes that food. Or, like, oh, when I do this, like, someone, like, actually has to, like, go about that. Like, she realized that after the earthquake, which is, like, chapter five. Yeah. Although the chapters are long as fuck, by the way, so, like, that's a thing. And it it does speak to who gets to be... It's almost like being magical and... Yeah, being magical and being sort of airy and all the things that we can be as a kid. Some people get to do that for longer based on their Mm. privilege. Because Pancha, if you, like, remember her story, like, she was was already, you know what I mean, working and, like, 
already had to be very grounded. So Claire is very privileged in her ability to be so magical because of her status in a way. Yeah. And it's only until the earthquake that that status is like taken away and she has to start working. And it's, I just thought that was interesting of magic as a privilege and rights as a privilege mm. of a class. And I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. I do want to talk about one more thing. I just like the idea. I don't like it. It makes me sad, but I like that it's going to be a thing that, mm-hmm. what's his name? Esteban Garcia. It, they hint that he's about to mess everything Fuck up for everything the family. Yeah, it's like. going to be a problem. But I, I was like, you know, it, it kind of gives a similar feel of the hate you give. Mm-hmm. It's very clear that Esteban Esteban Senior, like his grandfather, is sowing these seeds of like hatred and evil and just neglect, like how the neglect of people leads to evil as opposed to just being like this evil just came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And so I do want to see how that develops in the story. That sounds like a prediction. Maybe we should just jump to the prediction section. And like the quotes. That yeah. is true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you have any other predictions? No, I, this isn't a prediction, but I'm hoping, you know, Tresero comes back. I want to see how he is. Mm-hmm. I want him and his father to have a little reunion and that would be cute. I do want to find out who this, um, like grandchild, whoever it is who found these like magical items. I want to figure out who they are and if these items will like come back up because a lot of the things are in the basement, like the, the head of Navia. And Barabbas, who, again, oh, by the way, to mention real quick, I forgot that we forgot to mention this. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Esteban decided it would be a good idea to skin and make a rug out of Barabbas after he died. And then, like, put it on the floor and was like, after the honeymoon with Claire, was like, Claire, like, I got you a great gift. And, like, opened the door. And Claire literally is like, what the actual fuck? <laughs> like, she's like, and then Freya's like, I told you she would not like it. And I was like, sir. Like, and he's like, I was so confused. And so he just like wrapped it up and put it in the basement. And I was like, what? You- Why was that the first thought? Barabbas was already stabbed. It, by the way, when Barabbas was killed, it wasn't like a low-key thing. No. It was literally at their ring ceremony. Barabbas walks in, bloody, stabbed, dying. Literally dies at Clara's feet. She's like weeping. Esteban witnessed all of this and was like, I'm going to make this bitch into a rug. <laughs> and Clara is going to live. And we will have coitus. And it'll be amazing. And, and it, I'm like, my. Like, e get <laughs> Like, oh, my God. Makes you, it makes you realize how much he mistakes ownership for love. Mm, so, anyway. So, those are my predictions. What about you? I kind of feel like... I mean... I feel like in this book is almost like cheating because they kind of tell you like low key like that this character is going to do this blah blah. Esteban Garcia, I think, is gonna. I don't think he's going to be a good character. I don't think he's going to be like a tercero type that tries to like take over and you know maybe make things better for the good. I think he's going to try to like have a similar sort of maleficent, sort of horrible energy and like basically, I think he's going to come to power in a similar way as Esteban Trueba. Uh, and be equally if not more violent because like his characterization up to this point i mean the, the nigga is 10 but like he's oh. described as like sticking needles through like chicken's eyes and just doing all types of shit where it's just like this is not gonna vote well <laughs> and there's already a lot of acrimony about the fact that he's not really recognized by his grandfather and also was denied the ransom money that he was like you know promised and so i think he's gonna fuck shit up i think clara and blanca are going to I feel like their life is going to be fine. I don't think they're going to ever, ever really have contact with Esteban again. I think it's going to be just some sort of like, they just lead sort of simple lives. 
There's a sex worker named Transito Soto that like oh, Esteban's yeah. like really close friends with. I think she's probably gonna like save him from like Esteban Garcia or something like that. I feel like she's gonna like save his sorry ass at the like eleventh hour. Given the tone of this book, she might like be sacrificed in the process, but no. whatever. Um, and yeah, I think I don't know. I don't necessarily know how it's gonna be resolved, but I I think it'll just sort of end and be like, and this is how power works. We should I feel like we should end on a good note because I feel like I've like I feel like I came down kind of hard on this book. Like I don't dislike this book. I think I'm just struggling with just trying to follow it and just some of the themes around it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I think this is one of those books that we actually need to get to part two to see if it pays off. Like, yeah. So, like, if I were to give like if someone was like, "How would you review this book right now?" I would say, um, "I reserve judgment." Until part two. Yeah. That's how I feel. Um, because it could really, the second part could really pull everything together in a mm-hmm. way that like is very dope. Or it could leave us all being like, so why did, why did we talk about Uncle Marcos? For two days? <laughs> <laughs> what, why, what was that for? Huh? Like, right. <laughs> let me know. Cause if this was in class and I had to do a school assignment, like, <laughs> like what was the symbolism? What's like, up? <laughs> right. Like what the fuck? You know, like so, and I, I like that. I think similarly, I'm kind of, a bit con- not confused in that I don't understand what's going on, but just confused as to sort of the motive behind things, sort of the purpose behind a lot of things. But like you, I'm going to like reserve judgment until I fully finish this book, see what happens. I do think that Esteban's getting a little bit too much screen time. So hopefully now that Clara and Blanca are like apart, hopefully they get more of a characterization and, you know, in a narrative that's like exists independent of both Esteban and Pedro as much as we like him. Tercero, who's kind of like, you know, doing his own thing. We'll see what happens, but I'm, I'll reserve judgment as well. I do mm. not dislike this book. I'm just confused. <laughs> I'm trying to like... Which is fair. Right. But um, did you still want to do quotes really quickly or do you want to just like skip that part? How, how are you feeling? Yeah, let's do a quote. I mm-hmm. feel like I have a quote just to talk to on a positive note. So sort of some of her, some of the times her descriptions really work. Mm-hmm. So they're talking about the, time, the point right before Blanca meets Pedro Tresero again. And mm-hmm. this time they're like, teenagers you know and young love Mm -hmm. and there's like this really well written descriptive part that i want to read where basically so this is after she snuck out of her house which is very cute she like dresses up like a boy and like jumps out of a window and runs past the dogs and i'm like oh i love this running escaping like let's do more (laughs) of this um so she uh blanca set off in the direction of the river everything was still quiet her footsteps crushed the fallen leaves and the dry branches producing a light crunching sound the only noise in the vast sleeping space she felt that the shaggy meadows, the golden wheat fields, and the far-off purple mountains disappearing in the clear morning sky were part of some ancient memory, something she had seen before exactly like this, as if she had already lived this moment in some previous life. And I'm like, ooh, I wow. I can kind of see it. Like, it feels very magical. And I, mm-hmm. I like how it takes something very normal, like crunching in the very early morning you know, like time period and makes it sort of this like magical mysticism, mm-hmm. it's, especially for a book that's so magical to then like put that magic on something very normal mm. and then attainable. I was like, ooh, I like this. And it, and I also just, again, I like things that sound good in my ear. I was like, ooh, this is just well written. Right. Like, ooh. So that was my quote. That's real. And like, and she does do that a lot. Like the writing style is very beautiful. And like, the magic is both depicted sort of vividly, but also like just in the descriptions. It's like, wow, you really put words together that like, Huh. Yeah. That was interesting. And kind of on a similar note, for me, something that really struck out to me was that I think that just in the nature of, like, Clara has these premonitions, so, like, the writing style also reflects these premonitions onto people. Like, even people that you might know well or not necessarily know that well, like, there's always, like, a description of them that kind of, like, 
almost ties their fate. Like, everything kind of just seems yes. predetermined in a lot of ways. So something that I thought was really interesting, um, this is actually a quote that relates to Nana, who, again, is their servant. And this is shortly after Clara gives birth to her twins, Nicholas and Jaime. It reads, Clara recovered quickly from the double birth. She entrusted the care of the children to her sister-in-law and to Nana, who came to work in the Treva household after the death of her employers, to continue working for the same blood, quote-unquote, as she put it. She had been born to cradle other people's children, wear their hand-me-down clothing, eat their leftovers, live on borrowed happiness and grief, grow old beneath other people's roofs, die one day in her miserable little room in the far-off courtyard in a bed that did not belong to her, and be buried in a common grave in the public cemetery. So it's just one of those things where it's like, damn, I like Nana. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's like right. does she really have to like die in a public grave and like no one gives a fuck and like she like lives her life again just like overextending herself for other people but like not really yeah. having any sort of wholeness as a person. It's just, yeah, so things like that, it's like, but like even just saying like, you know, wearing other people's hand-me-down clothing, eating their leftovers, all those things, it's just like you can kind of like, the, the visualization you get yeah. from that kind of description of like what kind of phenomenon you're describing and sort of like the accompanying melancholy that you experience in reading that is yeah. like all very intentional so like things like that i'm like damn this is like and it's the thing true. is like it's tragic because it's like you want people like nana Farula to like get their come up get in something yeah. esteban gets so much i'm like just give nana like, can she at least die next to her family you know what i mean like it's like damn and it's just i don't know i love that like even when people's fates are sealed it's just like you as a reader you're just like i want to change this this is not right but it's also like that's when it is that's just what happens and yeah. that's just what it is Ooh, that tension Ooh, Marcy, right that it's is just, a good point i feel like i literally just want to shake the book sometimes like i'm just like give ponta garcia something <laughs> <laughs> like i just uh i don't know i just i'm trying it's hard because it's, yeah <laughs> I, no you're right because when you think about intersectionality it's just this is this is what they talk about right mm -hmm. like this is exactly it it's this complete disregard why because Pancho Garcia doesn't have any of the privileges that Clara has or Blanca has that allows her to sort of get a little bit of some or not as the same way it doesn't have that little something that could like push your life in just a little better of a direction right. Ooh, it's frustrating yeah and then it's like you see nana working in service to clara and like she doesn't even like recognize the thing that she does yeah sometimes she just, perpetuates it oh yeah yeah it's just like oh yeah like dinner's just made and it's just like nana gave her life to you mm. so I will say that tension, this class-related tension, sort of like the indignation you experience as a reader in observing all this bullshit, you're just like, wow, this is the, – the ability to make people feel that yeah. in a world where we already see and understand that is really interesting. It's so, true. again, I do not hate this book. I am just <laughs> – it brings up a lot of emotions, which, if anything, I think makes for a more interesting sort of like understanding and sort of dissection of the book. That's true. But speaking of which, we will conclude our conversation here as we have been talking for so long. Um, so just in terms of, I guess, next steps, you know, if you all want to get in touch with us, you know, we have a Twitter. We do. At The Colored Pages, where we post a lot of like cute quotes from our favorite writers and give you all updates on the podcast. So definitely follow us on Twitter. You can also get in touch with us on our website, thesecoloredpages.com. If you go to the contact us section, you can send us a comment during our email and we can shout you out. So mm -hmm. yeah, let us know what you thought of the book. We'd love to hear your thoughts, predictions, whatever you're feeling. Right. But so we'll see you guys in a few weeks. But until then, stay, stay colorful. colorful.